Tonight, we are starting a new series. We're going to be in the book of Jonah. I'm sure that you've already estimated that by the video that we've just shown. But we're going to be going through the Jonah. Probably, we're planning for the next four weeks or so uh, to go through Jonah. But as I start, I want to start with a question. And I know that you, when, when I first ask this question, your immediate thought, your immediate answer, your knee-jerk answer is probably going to be never or not often. But I think the answer to this question is something that you do and you don't realize that you do a lot of times. Maybe we're not aware of what we do. But here's the question. How have you ran from God this past week? How have you ran? See, I think that immediately you're going to say, hey, I've not. But have you? Has someone confronted your belief system? Has someone challenged you and said something or asked you to to go watch a movie that maybe you you wouldn't normally watch with your youth group? Or maybe to, 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 to go hang out at a place that maybe you wouldn't normally go hang out. Maybe someone has brought up a, a topic of Scripture and asked you a question, and you're like, oh, I'm not really sure about that. Maybe they've talked about one of those touchy subjects, you know, the touchy subjects, the things that we're not really too sure about, so we just usually say, I'm not going to talk about those things. So how, how have you ran from God this past week? Because I think that we all do at some point, one or another. None of us are perfect. We all stray at some point. How we ran. Tonight, we're going to look at Jonah. We're going to look right off the bat, starting off in this first chapter, about how Jonah ran and how that relates to us as well, too. In chapter 1, verse 1, it says this, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come, upon, has come up from before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went, went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. You know, Jonah is someone that we really don't know that much about. Like, we actually know very little about Jonah. Jonah is a, a guy that, and outside of this book, outside of this passage of Scripture, uh, Jonah is a guy that we have to look deep in Scripture to find, and we find him in 2 Kings chapter 14. And there's not much that's said about Jonah there, except that he's the son of Amittai, and that he's from a town called Gath-Hefer. But outside of that, we don't know much about Jonah. What do you guys know about Jonah? When I say Jonah, what's the first thing that you think of? Got swallowed by a fish. What else? Not too much. See, it, let me let you in on a little hint, too, or a little, little surprise. Jonah is four chapters. And if you add up all of the verses, Jonah is only 48 verses long. There's some chapters in Luke that are about 62 or 69 verses long. Psalm 139 is, is long. The 119th Psalm is long. So there's not very many verses. And here's another thing that I want to say, and this may surprise you as well too. Out of all 48 verses, how many verses do you think deal with a fish? Three. Three. So even though that Jonah is someone that we know little about, the small things that we do know about Jonah, 
everybody knows. You can go talk to your friends that maybe aren't in church very often. Maybe they've never been in church, but they've just grown up in this area, and they know about Jonah. They know the story of Jonah. Why? Because, you know, in children's church, we were grown up hearing about Jonah, how he was swallowed by a big fish. And then then there, there's the controversy. Well, was it a well or was it a fish? You know, so we all talk about these things, but everything is surrounded that has to do with Jonah and his life has to do with one thing that's only three verses long, and it has to do with a fish. That's it. We have so much to learn about Jonah, and I hope that over these next four weeks, we're going to know a lot more about Jonah. Tonight, we're going to start in chapter 1, and we're going to learn some about Jonah. We're going to learn about Jonah's call. Let's look at what it says again. Jonah's call comes this way from God. It says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. Now, listen to this. Jonah's call was unique. Why do, you, why do I say that Jonah's call was unique? What's unique about what they've just asked him to do there? What do you know about Amos, Joel, Hosea, Obadiah, all of the other prophets that Scripture shows us? Their call was to do what? To go and proclaim about the evil that other, other countries, other people groups are doing, right? Here's the big difference. Those people were called to proclaim the evil and the disastrous stuff that other countries were doing from the comfort of their own town in their own country, not Jonah. Jonah was called to go. Jonah's call was unique because not only was he going to proclaim the things that other countries were doing, especially Nineveh, God asked him and said, I don't want you to do it from here, I want you to go. Okay, so what do we know about Nineveh? Nineveh, Scripture calls here, it says it's a great city. What does that mean? What does it mean when it says it's a great city? Big, yeah. That's it. That's why Scripture calls it the great city. Great is a word that has to do with big. It was great in size. But there was also something else that was great about Nineveh. Nineveh was great in their evil. It says here in this passage that their evil or their disaster has come up before me. It is so bad that it's reached God. This was a heinous place. Let me tell you what some of the kings in the past have done in Nineveh. They knew of these kings that would rip the limbs of their victims off. They knew of these kings that would sever the hands of their victims. They knew of these kings in the history of Nineveh that would take their, that take their bodies and flay the skin off and then take their skulls and stack them and see how many skulls they could stack and get how big they were. This was Nineveh. So before we're too harsh to judge Jonah, let's think about the situation or the circumstance that Jonah is in. What would you do? Would you go? Would you go? If God called you, would you go? Not just go and proclaim, but go. Will you go to the Middle East? Will you go to a country that's foreign to us? Would you go and proclaim Christ where you knew that they treated you like these people here have? And guys, and I'll be honest. I had to look very, very hard to find a picture that was not very graphic because I know that there's some younger people in here and their parents will probably be bad. But if your mom and dad let you, go search and see 
what Christians around the world face today. It's almost appalling that we say that we suffer for Christ. Would you go? Okay, forget the Middle East. Would you go to your school? Would you go to your sports team? Would you go to your dance studio? Would you go to your drama team? Would you go to your work, your place of business, your college? Would you go and proclaim Christ? Because we all have a call on our life. It's Matthew 28. Go, make disciples of all nations, all nations, including these, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. We all have a call on our life. So before we look at Jonah and say, look at Jonah, tuck his tail, tuck his head, and run, would we go? I've been to Canada, and so have I. But would we go? That's what I hope that we see tonight, that it's not going to be quite as easy for Jonah as we thought it was, because Jonah ran like most of us probably would. Look at verse 3. It says, But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish. From the presence of the Lord he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare, and he went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Would we go? See, Jonah ran. And it says that Jonah was not only just running from that, it says that Jonah was trying to run away from the presence of the Lord. And he did this by way of Joppa. Joppa was only about 50 miles from where, where he grew up in Gath Hefer. He actually went westwardly. It's the closest seaport that there was to him. And he got there, and he, and he paid for a vessel. And he got on this ship, and he went to Tarshish. Now, do any of you guys know where Tarshish is? On the other side of what? Exactly. It was in Spain. Now, think about this. In this time, it was all the way across the ocean, the Great Sea, so what does that equate to? Jonah, in his mind, ran to the completely other side of the world to flee from the presence of God and to run from his call. That's what Jonah did. How have we ran this week? How have we ran? Where is our Tarshish? Because I believe that we all have that, but we all know that it says in Psalm 139.7, Ryan talked about this a few weeks ago, where it says, where shall, I go from the, from your, where shall I go from you, Spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? In other words, Jonah knew that there was no place on earth that he could go. That passage of Scripture goes on to say, whether you're in the heavens or whether you're in hell, Sheol, God, the presence is there. We can't go anywhere to get away from the presence of God. There's no place in the creation that we can go. We can't run that far. So it sounds crazy that Jonah would say, I'm going to flee from the presence of God at the end of verse 3. All right? So I ask you, have you ran from God this week? If the presence of God is with us all the time, let's imagine that in bodily form, God walks with you much like the person sitting next to you right now. Now think back. This past week, what have you done? 
How's your speech been? If God was standing right next to you, as you look back, do you think, "Ah, I probably would not have said that because God was with me. He was. Mm, I I may not have watched that on TV because God was with me. I may not have sat up late and looked at those pictures. Why? Because God was with me. We can't run from the presence of God, but what we can do is our actions can imply that we don't believe that God is with us. So in essence, we are fleeing from the presence of God metaphorically. Just like Jonah can't physically get away from the presence of God, he can run, he can get on a ship, and if you read this passage of Scripture, in verse, starting in verse 4, it's this, there's, those, there's this common word that's used, it's the word down. He went down to Joppa. He went down into the belly of the ship. Everything keeps talking about that Jonah went down, down, down. He was going into a pit to get away from God. Guys, when we make poor choices that aren't edifying to God and we wouldn't do those things if, if, if I was with you or Ryan was with you or one of your other strong Christian friends, we keep going down and down and down because we are implying that it's a dark place down there. And if I'm going to do these things, I want to be alone. Because when I'm alone, nobody knows what I've done. How have you ran from God this past week? Because Psalm 139 says that we can't go anywhere to run from God. So let's not be so quick to judge Jonah because I ask this, is our life a picture that we are walking every day with God by the choices we make, by the things that we say, by our actions? Are we walking every day on ready for God to say, go, and we say, okay? Now, and I realize, don't, don't misunderstand me. You're not 18 at this point. You still live with your mom and dad or your grandparents or somebody that's in your family. You live with them. And the reality of it is, is that you can't pick up and go. I'm not saying be dis- disobedient to your parents. But God can call you to things while you live at home. He can call you to the task of pursuing this person at your school. Why? Because God's told you to. Well, there's no way. They don't believe anything that I believe. Do you know what they do on the weekends? There is no way that this person would come to know Christ. Guys, I am a living example that those people, those people do come to know Christ. I may not have made those choices when I was in high school, but I made such worse choices after high school. Are we running from God? Here's my question to you. Why did Jonah run? Why did he run? Why do you think? Scared. Scared. Okay. How many of you guys think he was scared? Okay, what was he scared of? I saw this sign in the back. And I would assume that this is what you would think. But that's not why Jonah ran. We have to go to chapter 4 of Jonah in verse 2 
to see why Jonah ran. It tells us specifically right there. It says, and he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God, merciful, slow to anger, abounding to steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. Jonah ran because he knew that if he went and speak and proclaimed Christ, or God at this time, if he proclaimed those, it would give these people that he hated an opportunity to repent, and God would lift his hand off of them. Jonah ran because he was afraid that God would do exactly that. We have a different picture of Jonah now, don't we? Jonah ran, not because he was afraid of getting killed. He was afraid that God would show these people that he hated and detested so bad that he would show them mercy. And guys, if you receive mercy when you do, and you are aware that that's what God is doing in your life, it turns everything around. Jonah ran because his heart was not aligned with God, in essence. Now, there are three ways that we can see if our heart is aligned with God or if Jonah's heart, in this case, was aligned with God. First thing I want us to see is that if we don't see sin the way that God sees it, our heart's not aligned with God. How does God see sin? What what does he think of sin? Does he like it? They see, it's okay, I understand, they're going to mess up, it's okay. Is that God? He can't be in the presence of sin. God detests sin. He hates sin. He says that sin is not okay. He hates sin so bad that when it gets into his presence, and he's, well not presence, but when he sees and he's aware that there's sin going on, he detests it, and this is what he did. He hated it so bad, he called a Hebrew man, Jonah, and he says, go and tell them what I'm about to do. Jonah's heart was not aligned with God. Because Jonah did not look at Nineveh and say, it is so horrible what these people are doing. They're not even aware of what's going on in their own country. Instead, he, he, he turned and he ran. Why? Because he said, I don't see this the way that God does. So let's go back to us. Who are those people in our school? Who are those people in our community that you guys know and you say, no, there's no hope. There's, I mean... Really? Do you think this person would ever come to know Christ? I could name a few of them off right now, and if we weren't on camera, I could, just so you guys would know how real I am. But they're there. I see them. And you know the beauty of it is? They are waiting on someone to just love them. Why do you think they're so rebellious? Why do you think they do such evil, disastrous things? Because they've not experienced a true God and a true Christian, maybe, that says, hey, I don't agree with what you're doing, but I love you. I love you. The choices that you make, I'm not saying I accept those, but you are a created being from God. Since God has created you, I love God. I love all that God has created. Therefore, I love you. Love. 
You don't even have to tell them anything about Jesus. All you have to do is to let your heart align with God's heart, see that sin is evil, it's disastrous, and love someone through that time of their life. I'm so thankful. So thankful for John Reed. I'm so thankful for Robert Champagne. I'm so thankful for Jeff Hayes. I'm so thankful for these guys because they love me in my sin and their love drew me to Christ. I'm so thankful for them. I'm so thankful for my grandfather. I posted a picture of him a few weeks ago. When he died, I told someone. I said, my papa, that's what I called him. That was, that was my, my term for him. My papa never mentioned the name of Jesus to me. I don't think his whole life. He lived it. He lived it. His heart was aligned with God's heart. If our heart is aligned with God's heart, do we cry out and say, God, please use me to bring light. Please use me to show people that there's hope in this world when there seems like there's no hope. Please use me to be able to go and speak truth to people in love. Not in judgmental truth where I look down my nose, but in servitude where I look up to them and I serve them because I love Christ and Jesus was a servant, so I will be a servant too. May we have the heart of God. The second thing is how we can see if we don't have the heart of God is because we're not totally committed to God's plans. Who do we live for? Who do do you live for? Do you live for your desires or do you live for God's desires? Do you wake up every day and think of what can I do for God or do you ask yourself, what am I going to do for myself? Whose ways are better? We know what Isaiah says. Isaiah says this. uh, This is God talking. It says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord's. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God's way is so much better. Isaiah knew that. He wrote about it. My thoughts are not God's thoughts. God's thoughts are so much better than my thoughts. His ways are so much better than my ways. It's not natural that I would wake up every day and think, what can I do for the kingdom today instead? What am I going to do today? Here's a typical day for me. I'm going to go meet some guys. Maybe we're going to have a, a disciple time. I'm going to come to the office. I'm going to, I'm going to look for things, for, you know, for sermons for us to go through, catch up with Ryan, see how things are going with some of our leadership teams that we've got in place. Uh, you know, we're going to go meet with some people. I met with the FCA uh, guy today, Kent. By the way, Kent says to tell all of you guys hi, and he loves you guys. Uh, met with Kent Howard today. We go to lunch. We talk about how we can do some partnerships with FCA, uh, you know, all these things. We, uh, we, we do this, we do that, and the other. And here's what it is. Sometimes we get so busy, we get so busy, that we forget to think about God and God's thoughts. I told Ryan just a few minutes ago, I said, Ryan, don't let me go through another Wednesday without us praying for our service like we have in the past, just a few seconds ago. Because we let the busyness of the day, me, I let the busyness of the day get a hold of us. 
that I'm working off my thoughts, not God's thoughts. I pray that today I didn't pass through someone that they just needed to hear an uplifting word and I was so busy that I walked right past them or I didn't, I didn't look into their eyes and just connect with them. You, you know what I'm talking about? Sometimes you'll walk by someone in school and you just look and you don't have to say a word, you connect. Maybe today I was not going off God's thoughts, His plans. Are we those people? Are we totally committed to this plan? Because we know that in 1 Corinthians, what does Paul tell us? Paul says, hey, look, you're not your own. Not anymore. You were bought. You were paid for. You were bought with a price. Guys, Jesus gave his life for you. And you're like, well, I'm not a Christian in this room. I don't believe in Christ. That's okay. That is the cool thing about Christ. He didn't say, I'm going to give my life only for those who believe. He gave his life for everyone. Now, When he reveals himself to you, not will you invite him into your heart. More truthfully, will you surrender your life to him? We are bought with a price. The call to the Christian life is about something so much bigger than grace, mercy, salvation. It's about all of those things. But the call to the Christian life is also about we're not our own. It's about things that are so much bigger than us. But see, unfortunately, in in the Christian world today, most of the time, Christianity is about what? Me. What are they going to do for me? Ooh, are they having food tonight? Because, man, if they're having food, I am so... Oh, they're not having food? I'm I'm not going to go. Hey, are we like... Are are we like going to play these like crazy games and stuff like that oh no we're doing that next week I, I, I won't go tonight maybe I don't like the music they're doing eh, we're not going to go see Christianity is so supposed to not be about us it's supposed to be about others love God love people when you do that you will fulfill every command in Scripture. Everything. Well, what about where Scripture says, thou shalt not murder? Would you ever kill anyone that you love? Okay, well, Scripture says not to have any other gods above God. If you love God, would you ever put anything above Him? All of the commandments in Scripture fall under love God and love people. We are bought with a price Do we wake up every day and realize, hey, my life is a ministry. Your life is a ministry. You know the mission field that God has you in? Our Murchie High School, our Murchie Middle School, Darlington, Rome, Model, Unity, football teams, cross-country teams. Those are your ministries that God has you in. Are we in all in to his will. Last thing is this. How do we know if our heart is aligned with God? Because we are a people that extend grace. 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 (laughs) I can't believe a, a song like that just came to my mind. Marvelous grace. Are we a people that extends grace? Because, guys, Grace is what has us here. Grace is what has you here right now. Think about this. 
If you sit here tonight and you're not a Christian, it's the grace of God that has brought you here to hear the truth. If you're a Christian and you sit here tonight and you've been so apart from Christ, you've not been living an obedient life, and you know it because right now you're dying. It's grace that God has brought you right here. Grace is what has done so much for us. See, Jonah, his call was not only about announcing judgment. That's not what Jonah's call was for. Jonah's call was to go and share about what's going to come if you don't change your ways. You know what that's called? Grace. That's grace. God could have sent Jonah up there and said, the moment I leave the walls of this town, God will strike you dead because you have been an evil, disastrous city. And he walks out, and God swallows the place up like he did Sodom and Gomorrah. Would God have been right to do that? Absolutely. But God was gracious in sending Jonah to go and to share about what's going to come. Grace. But Jonah's heart was not aligned with God's because what did Jonah do? He ran all the way to what we, he thought of was the other side of the world. Jonah hated those people so bad he ran. He ran. And later on, at the end, we'll talk about this in a few weeks when we get there, Jonah still had a horrible taste in his mouth for these people after they had repented. And God did exactly what he said he was going to do. Hey, if you go and if you proclaim the judgment that's going to come and they turn from their wicked ways, I will lift my hand off of them and my hand of destruction. I will not destroy them. Well, for that time, what did they do? Jonah went, finally, he shared, they turned. Jonah was still upset. Jonah did not still extend grace. Here's the thing that's interesting. Here's irony at its finest. Jonah was a man that had God had just been gracious to. Where did Jonah just come from when he gets over there the second time? The belly of a fish. You know, how's that grace? When Jonah got swallowed by that fish, that was God being gracious to him. Why do I say that? Because next week we'll talk about this, but in Jonah's prayer in chapter 2, it says this. This is Jonah as he's praying. He says, the waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head. Jonah was at the deepest part that he could get. He thought he was so far away from God that God didn't even know he existed. He was wrapped physically in weeds under the water, and at the moment that he thought he was going to die, God's gracious hand came and swept him up in the belly of of, of a big fish and saved his life. Guys, that is grace. That is beautiful, beautiful grace. Jonah is someone that had grace extended to him, but he still did not extend grace. Now, I know. Some of you guys are sitting here thinking, you're like, dude, I've got this. And you know what I want to say to that? You're right. You do. Some of you guys have this because I see the fruit in your life. You go, you're gracious, you look for people, you draw them in, you do all of these things. You've got it. I know. But a lot of us, 
We sit here tonight, and we're like, I am running from God in such a bad way. Man, maybe you're here tonight, and you've been running from God for so long, you think, like Jonah thought when he was at the depths of the sea, wrapped up in seaweed, he was like, there is no hope for me. I don't want you to leave here and not think that there's hope. Here's the hope. The whole time in this passage that Jonah was running from God, God never once ran from him. God's not running from you if you're running from God. Guys, I look back in my life before I was a Christian. I look at all of the ridiculous mistakes that I made and the the things that could have happened from so so many of my poor choices, but God was so gracious to me. Why? I didn't understand at the time. But there were a few times that I could have completely ruined my testimony and never been able to walk on a stage as a preacher. God was gracious. God was gracious to Jonah. Look at these two ways. When Jonah was running, it says in verse 4, But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. God used nature to try to stop Jonah. And here's the beautiful picture of that word hurled. It's in the the same vein or thought of someone that throws a spear at someone that's coming towards them in order to get them to change directions. God hurled a storm at him because he wanted Jonah to change directions in his life. Tonight, how many of you does God want to change the direction of your life? That's what is he hurling at you? You're here. He's hurled you into Pleasant Valley North student ministry on a Wednesday night. You're here. God's hurling things at you. But it also says that the crew hurled Jonah into the sea. There's the same use of that same word that he's trying to get Jonah to change the direction of his life. It also says that a giant fish swallowed him. We talked about that. But the whole way that Jonah was running from God, God never gave up on him. God will not give up on you. You're here. He has you here for a reason. He's asking tonight can be your time that you change the direction of your life. Here's the second point. This story of Jonah also points to a second Jonah that is to come. A second Jonah that was called to go into a land of people that were going to despise him, people that were going to hate him, people that were not going to agree with his message, people that potentially were going to ridicule him, beat him up, and people that eventually put him on a cross. His name is Jesus. This is such a beautiful picture of what Christ has done. He is a, an image of a second Jonah that was to come. But this message that was preached was not just words only. God said, I'll die. 
for these people. He knew how heinous the world was. How much did God love us? This much. Jesus gave his life for you. He did it when you were running. Guys, this is it. Here's the last thing I'm going to tell you. Stop running. Stop. What else does God have to do to get your attention? Stop running. Come home. Come home. It's so much better. Father,